Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I like to throw together where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and share with you other people's thoughts and takes about what's going on in the investing world. The goal here is hopefully you'll be able to take some nuggets of information and ideas and bring it back into your own little personal space and hopefully ultimately help you make better investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina, and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I try to do is I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem with that and with the journey to becoming financially independent and investing, which involves investing, is that people often get frustrated, intimidated, and confused by the whole investing process. They either don't know where to start if they've, they're just new to investing Uh, trying to figure it all out, or they've been investing for a long time but just aren't making any traction or positive, uh, their portfolios just aren't moving in the right direction. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people. I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So I was just trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to talk to you guys about? And it just dawned on me that um, one of the things I do a lot is, is answer questions. And whether, uh, you know, obviously I'm working with clients, um, you know, teaching people how to invest, teaching courses. Um, I'm on, you know, social media, you know, answering people's questions that they have about investing. Um, it just dawned on me that, I, you know, it's been a real long time since I actually did an episode where I just kind of answer questions. Um, like my view, in other words, uh, viewer mail or I guess listener mail. And uh, it's been a while because actually these are one of the more uh, popular episodes when I look back on, you know, all my all the episodes I've done. Um, the viewer mail episodes were actually one of the more popular ones. And I just realized I haven't done one in a while. So I thought, you know what, I think... I, I think I'm due to do a good viewer mail uh, episode. So that's kind of what I want to do today. I've gone through sort of my little archive of questions that I've kind of asked, answered in the last few months for people. And I thought I'd just take some of the best ones out there and just share them with you. And uh, so that's pretty much what I'm going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I got a few here. Let's just pick them off. How many have I got? One, two... One, two, three, four. I got four, so let's just do them. And uh, let's just pick them off. So the first question I ha- I got, I wanna, uh, first question is, is stock picking more art than science? And this is a really, and I, I love this question because it really ties a lot into my journey. Uh, as an investor, I've been doing this for over 20 years now. And when I started, you know, when I learned about investing in school and I started kind of working around the business and everything, my focus on investing was more purely on math. It was all about quantitative analysis, formulas, ratios, you know, models. Um, when I started investing, investing to me was very much a science. It was mathy, mathiness. The mathiness factor was like a 10 when I started. And 
And so, you know, uh, you know, back in my day in a previous life, um, I developed a database. I developed my own little model of uh, picking stocks, uh, analyzing stocks, picking stocks, investing in stocks. And it was purely my, my decision making was driven by, um, by, by math. It was driven by quantitative analysis. Um, but what happened is over time, and I don't know if this is just because of experience or just more maturity. I don't know really what it is, but I've found, I've learned, I guess the key thing, I've learned that there are a lot more qualitative factors and especially, you know, more behavioral factors that play into making investment decisions. And I actually did a podcast on this way back. Uh, and I quoted uh, an article, a blog post by Morgan Housel, who t- to me I think is one of the preeminent um, investing thought leaders out there uh, right now. And he wrote a really fantastic post that really spoke to the heart of this tension between art and science uh, in investing. And to me, you know, I could sit here and say a bunch of stuff, but he says it like perfectly as far as I'm concerned. He, he lays it out just perfectly. And I'm just, essentially, I'm just going to read what he said. Um, he said, quote, If investing were only about numbers, no one would be good at it because computers would arbitrage away all the opportunities. And if it were only about psychology, no one would be good at it because every investor has different arbitrary goals and markets would never coalesce around something objective. Good investing is some part analytical and some part psychological, an art and a science. The trick is knowing when which skill is necessary and how one affects the other. Parts of investing are counterintuitive, like the prevalence of volatility, margin analysis, margin analysis um, or moats repelling competition. And they require data to understand. But there are things that data cannot help with, like the tendency to embrace false narratives that justify your actions or your willingness to throw your strategy out the window after the emotions of a big win or a big loss. Data doesn't teach you about fear or patience. And psychology doesn't teach you about discount prices and EBITDA. The hard part is that analytics and psychology couldn't be more different. One is rational and stable, The other makes no sense and changes all the time. One is numbers that you can see. The others are emotions that you can sort of feel and sometimes. Attacking a problem with two different skills is hard. But attacking a problem with two conflicting skills can make you question what you're doing. And even harder is the frustration that comes from attacking an analytical problem with psychology or vice versa. So that sounds kind of wishy-washy in a sense. You know, is, is stock picking more art than science? I would have to say, you know, with my experience now, <clears throat> I, I would say there is a science to it in terms of there's a mechanical side to investing in terms of, you know, evaluating opportunities. But I think there is a behavioral component that is critical in terms of framing your decisions and also leveraging your decisions in the context of what's going on with other people. Because investing is not simply you buying stocks 
in isolation. You were buying stocks as part of somebody in a population of people who are out there buying and selling stocks. And so I think it's critical, and I've learned, this is what I've learned, is that it's really important to have a sense of what the psychology out there is how other, other, how other investors feel and behave towards stocks. And then to layer over that behavior with the quantitative type of analysis to essentially tell you yes or no, this is a good company or this is a bad company. So a lot of times the decisions that I make, the framework that I make in terms of decisions starts off quantitative in understanding what a company does and the fundamentals of the business and understanding if they're making money, their financial performance, but then, and then the valuation of the company. But then I often then layer that on top of that, the behavioral side of it. How do people feel about the stock? Do they like the stock? Is the stock out of favor? Is it, um, what do the analysts think about it? Is there, are, they, are they bullish on it? Are they bearish on it? What's the layer of the psychology of the overall market? Are people into stocks right now or not into stocks? Those elements also come into play. Those elements are more, more and more now, personally, are coming into play in terms of how I make decisions. So, you know, the question, is stock picking more art than science? I think it's both. And I think Morgan Housel kind of nailed it beautifully and saying you can't just do one solely or you just can't just do the other side solely. You can't just be art or science. You kind of have to have, it's like a Venn diagram. You kind of have to have a little bit of both and have that sweet spot in there because each one complements the other. So to me, that's a really great question. Uh, question two, how do you come up with different investing ideas? This is... You know, one of the things that, I, that people really get pissed off about with investing is people spend so much time, especially people who are just starting off, they go out, they open their brokerage account, you know, they open their RSP or the TFSA or their Roth IRA or their 401k, they set it up, they fill all the paperwork, <clears throat> and, then, and then they put some money into it. And, you know, they feel like, okay, now I'm, I'm getting control of my life a bit. I'm taking control of my future. I'm planning for my future. I'm doing the right things. But then the moment will come where they go, where you have to go, okay, I've, I've got $10,000 in my account. What do I do? Oh, I should be buying stocks? Okay. Okay. I'm going to invest in stocks. Um, yeah. Like how? How do I do this? And a lot of times for people, it's, Relying on their social circle, fan, friends, family, parents, um, peers, and people. A lot of time, for a lot of people, that's how they make decisions. It's really hard. This is hard. Like, how do you get started? How do you like? Where do you come up with Facebook or how do you come up investing in Twitter? Like, you just just doesn't drop on your lap. Like, how do you get there? Um, it's really easy, and I know people because people have told me this. They really feel overwhelmed with investing when they're starting off because they just don't know where to start. Like, how do I figure out what companies I should look at or I should consider? Um, because literally there's tens of thousands of companies in, uh, in the world out there, tens of thousands of stocks out there. Like, how do you figure out, how do you figure this out? You know, the easy way is, you know, there's databases. You can go on the internet and, you know, run queries do searches and, you know, screens and stuff like that by certain ratios and, you know, data points and stuff like that and come out with a, you know, list of companies and, you know, go invest in it. Um, 
that's kind of like really how you do it. Um, but for a lot of people, that can be very intimidating and very overwhelming. And, and again, it freezes people. And, and then the next thing you know, they're, they're investing in what their grandmother invested in, you know, and they're following what, uh, what some guy down the street is doing or something like that. Um, I get it. But I found I have found that um, it's easy to just kind of an easier way to figure this stuff out is just kind of bringing it down to some really tangible first principles. And ultimately, when you're looking at companies, when you're trying to figure out what companies you want to like, what stocks you want to buy, you're ultimately trying to figure out what businesses you want to invest in. Because stocks are not just pieces of paper; they're they're businesses, they're people, they're ideas, and ultimately, businesses are exist to to provide goods and services that they think people want. And ultimately, valuable companies and valuable stocks are represented by businesses. Um, that sell goods and services consistently to people over and over again. And I find the best way to think about this, to to kind of just start the process, I guess, is to think about what kind of businesses out there that we are dependent upon or what things that we need on a day-to-day basis that we're dependent upon to survive. You know, if you think about it, what are the core things we need, each one of us need on a daily basis? We need food. We got to eat. We need clothing. We got to clothe ourselves, protect us from the elements. We need shelter. We need a roof over our head. We need transportation. We need to get from point A to point B. And we need to communicate with people. To me, these are the pillars of, of our needs as people, individuals, and society. And these are things that we just don't need once in a while. We need these things every day. So, what I tell people is like, just do an exercise, just take food for example, and take each of these, these pillars of what I call food, clothing, shelter, transportation, and make a list of companies that you know off your mind. Um, do those things. Provide those products or services. And when you do that, just make a list. So like food, think about you know grocery stores. Think about um, like Loblaws, uh, Walmart, um, you know, Kroger, Safeway. Costco, Target, um, grocery stores. Think about uh, you know food processing companies like Tyson Foods, Calmain Foods. I mean you know, for eggs. Um, uh, start making a list. Restaurant. Then start thinking. You know, I go out and eat restaurants. McDonald's, um, Chipotle. Start making a list for each food, clothing, shelter. Make a list of companies. You know, just look in your house. Well, look in your fridge. What do you have in your fridge um, that you eat on a regular basis? You know, bread. So Weston Company. Um, make a list. And then all of a sudden what you're going to have is under each one of those pillars, you're going to have a list of companies. And ultimately, a list of stocks that could be potentially worth investing in. And that to me, I found when I do this, when I do this with people, <coughs> it's very tangible because then you... See now, instead of just trying to figure out, okay, where do I start? Now you go, wow, now you have like a nice list of cross-functional kind of businesses, cross-product, cross-industry type businesses, and ultimately stocks that you can start doing a little bit more of a deep dive into. Um, 
and seeing, you know, which of these companies, like which of these food companies are really the best food companies out there in terms of creating wealth, how financially strong are they, how dominant they are in their, in their, in their industries. Um, that to me, this to me, at me, is a much more tangible way to kind of start getting the wheels in motion and starting to figure out how to make investment decisions. So, you know, I, that would be my suggestion. Just try it out. Like, just make a, take a piece of paper, four columns, food, clothing, shelter, transportation. And for each one, just list all the companies that you know of off the top of your head. Just walk around your house, look at the uh, look out the driveway of companies um, that would fall under those four pillars. And then start looking at those companies in a little bit more detail. Try to figure out which ones are the best at it and then buy them accordingly. Um, question three, what is the first metric you look at when you are researching a stock? Now, as I said, when I used to start investing, um, 20 plus years ago, I was very quantitative focused and, you know, I learned all kinds of ratios and formulas and models and algorithms and all kinds of stuff. Um, but I found there was it's really easy to get to drown in metrics. And again, for me, what it comes down to is first principles, principles of investing. And ultimately when we're investing in companies, we want to invest in companies that are, have the ability to demonstrate that they can create tangible wealth for their shareholders. Um, and so when I started investing, that's really all I focused on was like, what companies are the best well-run, you know, which companies create money, which companies make money? and then go from there. And there's all kinds of different metrics out there that you can use. Um, but as I said, over time, you know, my, I went, I've kind of evolved and matured more strictly thinking about metrics and starting to think about other qualitative factors. And now, you know, the way I teach people now and invest is, is really to focus more on the qualitative factors of, of the decision and then looking at the metrics. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about, um, you know, understanding what a company is selling, what are their products, what are their value proposition, competition, um, who the customers are, are they willing to buy their uh, products over and over again. Before I even start looking at numbers, those are the kind of things I want to have a comfort level when I'm looking at a stock or when I'm looking at a business. It's really at that point, if I have a comfort level with the business, I'm saying, okay, this sounds like a really promising type business and what they do and everything. Then I want to start answering the fundamental question, is this company making money? Uh, that's when I'm going to start looking at metrics. And <clears throat> ultimately, I want to answer the question, is this company making money? Is this company profitable? Is it creating tangible wealth? And so for me, my kind of go-to metric when I'm researching a company, when I'm getting to the point of looking at the numbers, is really about economic profit, um, which is really the difference between the company's return on invested capital and their cost of capital. Um, if you look at enough research, and if you look at the way we operate as a capitalist society, um, companies that can demonstrate an ability to create high returns on capital uh, compared to their cost of capital are going to be worth more. They're more valuable. Um, people put a premium on those companies. Um, conversely, companies that are not able to generate high returns on invested capital, uh, i.e. generate returns that can cover their cost of capital, 
are actually destroying wealth in the business. And ultimately the market will discount those companies, the values of those companies that cannot create tangible wealth, cannot create positive economic profit. That's usually my starting point, really. That's my core kind of metric that I look at when I'm making investment decisions. Um, I'm gonna look at other things like revenue growth, um, margins, operating margins. Those are kind of another areas that I'll tap into. But really, at the end of the day, this is about profit and this is about wealth creation. And ultimately, as investors, we wanna put our hard-earned money, we wanna put our money to work with companies that can consistently create wealth. Because if they can do that, then ultimately those companies are going to be more valuable. They are going to increase in value. And if those companies increase in value, then my ownership, my stock in those companies are going to increase in value. So first metric I look at after doing my qualitative kind of review, um, economic profit to me is my go. That's my go-to um, metric on there. Finally, last question. What are the tricks in investing in the stock market and i think that's what people think i think a lot of people have this perception that there's sort of this land of oz secret door that has opens up to this whole area where all these mysterious computers and people are kind of huddled and and are analyzing companies and can pick like you know with 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 absolute um precision what uh what stocks are going to go up and the reality is especially you know, reality of investing there's really no tricks there's no tricks to this investing gig um when you're buying a stock you're not just buying a piece of paper you're buying ownership into a business we are buying people you're buying ideas products and services behind those companies one of the core principles of capitalism is that revolves around scarcity. And every business out there is essentially in the same business, which is to compete for scarce capital. And take that capital, which is money, labor, materials, and all that stuff, and develop products and services that people are going to want. And the nature of capitalism is the markets are going to um, reward companies that can demonstrate that they can, that they can manage that scarce capital and sell products consistently to people <coughs> and generate high returns on that capital. The markets are going to reward businesses that can do that, that can create tangible wealth. Or, you know, as, as, I said, as I said earlier, economic profit. Um, companies that cannot manage their capital efficiently you know, and cannot sell products consistently over long periods of time, they're going to be penalized by the market. They're going to decrease in value. And ultimately, the nature of capitalism is capital will migrate to places where capital is used more efficiently. And so if you can't use your cap, manage your business efficiently, you can't sell sufficient products and services, then you're going to be out of business and all that money will get redeployed somewhere else. That's, that's the nature of our stuff. So it's not a trick you know, there's no mystery behind it. This is how our free market capitalistic society functions. And frankly, it kind of works out pretty well. You know, there's some glitches. There's some, 
there's some definite you know drawbacks in certain areas and things like that but the general nature of how we use the resources we have on this planet um under a capitalist kind of model kind of works okay it gets around so you know getting back to this concept of tricks investing is not about tricks learning tricks it's about understanding principles and so if you understand some of the principles um, of how wealth is created in our society, you're going to put yourself in a much better position to identify companies, good companies and bad companies. And ultimately, you're going to identify businesses and stocks that you're going to want to invest in and not invest in. Um, that's the secret. That's the trick, really, for investing is understanding the principles of how uh, wealth is created in our society and then building a framework for evaluating and identifying those wealth creating companies and wealth creating stocks um, and the people that really know from my experience who really know this investing thing really well that that's one of their core principles that they have a really good sound understanding of it they've built a framework for or like an investing playbook um, to help them identify those companies and then the, what they do is just they just methodically and iteratively buy those companies and they buy them at try to buy them at very favorable prices and that kind of iterative framework principle-based approach to evaluating uh, investments is probably the trick I guess to to doing well in investing and one of the things I do as an investment coach is I help people build those competencies to, to evaluate companies, help them build that framework, help them build that investing playbook um, to make those decisions. So if you can nail down these core principles, investing principles, it really becomes less about tricks and smoke and mirrors and all that stuff. It becomes more about actually putting money to work, investing in great businesses. So I hope that, uh, that kind of makes sense for you uh, on that side. Uh, in terms of this trick-or-treat kind of stuff. So that's kind of all I got for you here today, guys. Uh, hopefully, you know, those are four questions. I guess I've been asked those questions quite a bit. I thought these were really good questions because there's a lot of learning that comes out of these uh, questions. So I thought I'd share with them to you. These are questions that I've been asked um, in the past, uh, either through on social media, on, you know, groups, um, news groups, or, you know, social media groups or uh, in some of my courses that I teach when, when I'm working with people. So I just wanted to share some of that insight with you. If you have any questions about these questions, uh, you can find and get a hold of me through my website, sageinvestors.ca. Feel free to drop me a line, an email. I'll be more than happy to answer about, uh, about this or any other uh, of my coaching programs that I have or my courses, both in person and online courses that I teach in the domain of investing. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time tweeting about uh, different concepts, uh, stuff that's going on in the markets, some of my takes about what's going on in the markets, and sharing with you some uh, wonderful insights and perspectives from other people out there. So feel free to follow me on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me also on Instagram. My handle is at Sage Investors Nations. I like to post, I'm on there a little bit every time, posting uh, links to my content on my site. And uh, where else can you find me? You can find me on my Facebook page. I'm on Facebook. Um, my handle is uh, just do a search for Sage Investors. My Facebook page is there as well. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. And uh, every Wednesday, if you're interested, I send out an email blast. I call it In the Loop 
where I provide some quick uh, quick hits in terms of what's going on in the markets, provide some insights and perspectives uh, from other people that I am reading about and that I'm using for my own personal investment decisions and making my own framing my own investment decisions. So if you're interested in uh, tagging along and getting in on the loop, you can uh, just register uh, on my website, sageinvestors.ca, and you just drop an email and boom, you're in. I send them out uh, every Wednesday morning, uh, around 6.30 in the morning, and I also do a repeat blast uh, in the afternoon for those of you who missed out on that. So that's every Wednesday morning, and that's in the loop. So that's all I got for you today. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. Thanks for listening in. I really appreciate it. You can also find me on Apple Podcasts if you want to subscribe and download uh, previous episodes of Stock Talk. Um, Thanks for listening in. My name is Amon Reina from Sage Investors, and uh, we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye.